You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. These are Hilchos Hanukkah from Rav Chaim Kanievsky. They should be gesund. We know that one of the things you're not supposed to eat is something that stayed under night under your bed. Let's say a person happens to keep his olive oil under his bed. Um, And he slept on the bed. Is there a problem of using that oil? Sir Chaim says there might be. Because some say that the oil that you use needs to be roi l'achila. And that means a Jew could use it. And since we would not use this, because we would say there's a ruach raw on there, that would also be, we would say you should not use that oil. Now, based on that aloha, let's say you have cups that you bought. And you bought these cups originally to be um, tumblers to drink from. Then you decided, you know what? I'm going to use them for Hanukkah lights. The question was, do you need to take them to the mikvah? You bought them originally not just to have oil in it. You bought them originally to be what? To, to drink from. Sir Chaim, once again, says something very interesting. He says, we know that the Shemin has to be Roy Lachila. If, if you not tovel the cup, you can't put shemen in it and possibly use it to eat or drink or to dip your bread in. So therefore, since the shemen has to be roi lachila, a big kiddush from Rav Chaim, according to some shitas, the container that you use has to be the type of container that you could put food in. Because the oil, even though you're not eating it, you're using it for the mitzvah, has to be shemen that could have been eaten. And if even though before you place it in there, you haven't done the mitzvah yet, but by placing it into the container, it's now not royal achila because it's in a, it's in a vessel that didn't go to the mikvah. That's a problem. I've never heard of this humor before, but that is what he's saying. That there are shaitas that all the shemin needs to be royal achila, and and therefore your the the container that you use, even though it's a Hanukkah container, needs to have gone to the mikveh as well. Yes, uh, I'm just wondering if um uh, what what prompted this is the a change of of uh, what oil we are using now, you know, or or maybe extra humor or something, maybe something that was not done in the past. Whether there were two kinds of oil, or it's uh, maybe it's better to use the oil that is for eating as well. I don't know. Maybe like some kind of a circumstance have prompted uh, has prompted. Yeah. Again, you need to know where he discovered this, because I, I could argue. Again, you're saying where did this ever come from? That the shaman needs to be roi lachila. Chaim Panevsky is saying that that there is a sheet that holds that way. I don't know of it right now. I should know. I should have done my research better. But I am going to argue, even if Chaim is correct, that there are that there is a sheet that holds, and, and we should be macabre that the shaman needs to be roi lachila. 
it's royal achila. It's just you put it into a container that makes it usher for you to eat out of that container. But that doesn't mean the shemen's not royal achila. Rechaim is assuming once you put it in like this trafe container, it's a problem. I never heard of the idea that you have to take the... Now, it could be um, if, if it's made, if the material... Again, glass is a problem. It needs to go to the mikvah. It could be if it's, if it's not from glass, if it's from some other earthenware or something that doesn't need to go to the mikvah, or from some sort of uh, plastic that doesn't go to, need to go to the mikvah, it's not a problem. But if you say that you have to be table glass, now you could hold, you don't have to be table glass, and that, that wouldn't be a problem. But if you hold, you have to be table glass, and once you're using the glass, so this is an interesting, again, could be certain metals don't have to go to the mikvah. This is a chumrah. It's an interesting one, and it doesn't. It, it, it's very mechudishtik to say that. And again, it needs more research, but that is what, on the surface, Rechaim seems to be saying. So there might actually be a problem of using um, using these glass containers. Rechaim was asked the following question: If someone uh, lives in a, um, a, a a a high level apartment. A high floor of apartment, clearly more than twenty amas from Rishul Sarabin. So he's going to light in the window, and the people in the other apartment house can see it. Now, is that better, or is it? Or how about if he has another window? But if he puts it in the other winter, that's a chalon apona lecheder hamadregot. In other words, his other window, it's not people in their living room. It's only people would see it if they'd be going up the stairs. In other words, the guy has two windows in his high-rise apartment. One window goes straight across to the people who are in the other apartment. The other window that he has, people from the other apartment house can also see it, but it's only when they are climbing the stairs, not from their apartment. In other words, if they're climbing the stairs and they look across, they can see the menorah in your window. Is there a heater to put it in the window where they see it from their living room or not? So, Rav Chaim felt that either way is fine. You don't have to put it specifically where they're looking at it in their, from where they are. Even though you would assume, oh, I, I see that, guys. Whereas people who are in the Cheder Madre Goat, they're just walking up. But Rav Chaim felt they're also seeing it. It doesn't have to be whether it's in their private house or in the hallway. The people from across can see into your window. And that is good enough. They asked Rechaim the following, and some and many Sfarim it writes that you should sit by the Chanukiah for the first half hour to look at it and to be moted to Hashem. Um, 
what about the fact that you got to go back to second Seder to learn? Rav Chaim said that this idea that you sit by the menorah for a half hour, um, even though it's brought in by Rabbi Yaakov Reicher, one of the early 18th, uh, the 18th century postgame, Rav Chaim said that I don't see people doing this. You, you don't have to sit by the Hanukkah and sit there and enjoy it. Uh, even though we say, uh, there's nothing, uh, he doesn't believe it's a hunger for a Bentayra. You know, you light it, make sure that it's in a good position, then you can go back. You don't have to stay for that half hour and sit by the menorah. There's no heeder in doing that, Rav Chaim said. Rav Chaim was asked about the Hanoga of his uncle, the Chazonish. Um, we know the Chazonish would keep a longer Moitzoy uh, Shabbos than many of the other people in B'nai Brak. Either kept her from Tam, or he had a different shita and Alocha. What would he do when it was near Hanukkah? Because by keeping Shabbos later, you're losing out the chance to do the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah, which is so chaviv. Rav Chaim said, the Chazanish treated it exactly the same. The same way he waited, he didn't make Shabbos, early, he didn't finish Shabbos any earlier on Monday Shabbos Hanukkah. They asked Rav Chaim, the following question. Yeah, um, they asked Rav Chaim the following question. Let's say um, it was Shabbos Hanukkah. And instead of reading the Maftir, Parshas Nasa, they read the normal Haftorah for that Shabbos. So the Mishnah Brewer talks about that case. He says, if it was, they didn't take out the two Svarim at all. They just took out one Sefer. They forgot about taking out the second Sefer. And when they read the Haftorah, they already read the Haftorah already from the Parsha. So, the Mishnah Bura says, you don't need to take out the second Sefer. You skip it. So they asked, Rav Chaim, what would you do about the Haftorah? Which Haftorah would you read? You never read anything about Hanukkah. How could you read the Haftorah and Sefer Zechariah all about the menorah and whatever it was that you did with the, the, the beautiful Haftorah if you didn't read anything in the parsha about it? So, Rav said, even though you didn't read anything about the Hanukkah, you didn't read Parsha's Nosa, it is Hanukkah, 
And the Haftorah doesn't always have to match up. And the Haftorah you would read from Sefer Zechariah, even though you didn't read you didn't read the Hanukkah Parsha that Shabbos at all. Chaim was asked another question. Let's say the first night of Hanukkah is Shabbos. And um, they daven Mincha Erev Shabbos after they lit their Hanukkah. Now, you lit near Hanukkah already, then you daven Mincha. The fact that you lit near Hanukkah Shouldn't that show that it's sort of like you accept, it's like Hanukkah ready? Maybe you should say Alanisim in Mincha. So, Chaim said, no. you lit near Hanukkah because you couldn't light it any later. But it's not Hanukkah. So you wouldn't say Alanisim even though you made the bracha. You made the bracha Ladwik near Hanukkah. But in terms of the Mincha, it's still a Mincha of not Hanukkah. So you would not say Alanisim. Speaking about Alanisim, let's say someone is in his reading in his Siddur and he reads, he comes to Alanisim in the Shman Esrei and he reads the wrong side of the page. And he reads about Mordechai Vester. So, and then he finishes it. Does he have to go back? Sir Chaim says no, because you can skip Alanisim in general. And even though you said the wrong Alanisim, yeah. It's no worse than not saying it. So therefore, you don't have to go back and say, I want to use him again. Someone who's traveling on an airplane during Hanukkah. So, should he try to light the near Hanukkah in some way? So, Chaim said, definitely not. Obviously, you can't open a flame on on an airplane. Now, the person asked, maybe he's not Chayiv in Hanukkah Because it's like right now, when he's flying, it's like he doesn't have a house. So he's Potter. Chayim says he's Chayiv in Hanukkah And if if he has someone at home that can light for him, his wife could light for him. They asked Rav Chaim, we know you're not supposed to use its osrli shtameh You can look at it, you can sit there, but you can't use it for some sort of purpose. Well, what about if you want to get a great picture? You want to send a picture. Is that making use of the Ner Hanukkah as a backdrop? It says osrli shtameh So, ah, oh, this will make a great picture. Stand by the Hanukkah licht. Ah, oh, that's going to be a beautiful picture. Is that called also Ishtamish Laura? So Rukhayim said, it's mutter. That's not called being Mishtamish Bineras Hanukkah. Even though you're happy they're there and it makes a good picture for you, that's not a problem.
What about playing dreidel? Chaim said, if you're already a bar mitzvah, you're older, you should try, you should, you should not be playing dreidel. In fact, Chaim was asked about is the dreidel muktza on Shabbos, even for kids. So Chaim thought maybe it should be because it's meant to use as a game that's connected with money. And therefore, it could be its muktu. And as you can see, they bring here a number of sources that deal with this question about whether the dreidel was muktu or not. Is it, is it considered uh, something that's completely connected to, um, to money or not? Um, now, again, you can look up a lot of things on this. I happen to know that Rebel Yoshev did allow playing dreidel on Shabbos. In fact, he says that definitely a regular dreidel is a keilish malach and let's say you have a dreidel that has that has batteries in it. And the batteries make it uh, sing a song, uh, play a song, or give out lights. So, Rebel Yoshev felt, so what is it? That's a klisha malach But, if you take the batteries out, or if it's uh, connected with a chut chashmal, you take that out. So then, it's a klisha malach What's the locha by muktza? That it's mutter with sorach gufo or makomo. Well, if you want to play with it, that's like taking a hammer that you want to use to crack nuts. A klisha malach you can use with sorach gufo. I want to play with this. The kids want to play with the dreidel on Shabbos. That's fine. Even though it's a dreidel that, when it has the batteries in it, um, lights up and, or, or plays a song. However, if it's a dreidel that in order to get it to, to, to spin, you need to uh, use, you need to, you need to, twi- you need to turn a certain, um, uh, like you have to turn it, and like, like, like on these tops, in order for it to turn, that would be usher, because that's called tikkun mona. I forgot what it's called. It's like a, it's a, it's like a, not a screw. It's a. Um, it's a. You know, you twist it and twist it, and then you twist it tight, and then when you unleash it, then it's able to spin. So that's the, that's a kapitz. That's that's usher to do because that would be tikkun mana. But the basic shita would be all right now because the machaber says now, now the machaber says. Um when we talk about playing with a toy. So something that is clearly a toy, meant to be a toy, you don't need to say, this is a toy for you. If you have a stone or something, so there you can't just decide you're playing with it. That's what the Mechaber holds. 
You can't just turn a stone into a, a toy. But a, uh, a dreidel, which is meant to be a toy, that would be, that even according to the Machaber is not uh, considered mukta at all. So, point is, you can see that this uh, suffix that Rav Chaim Kanievsky held that the dreidel might be mukta because it's miyuchad l'kesef is something that Rav, Rav Yoshev never felt was a possi- was a probability. Probably because even though people do play with it for money, it's not necessarily only for money, and the kids just enjoy it. So, I would say that the dreidel, no problem. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 